Mamie, you going to take your turn yet? I'm working. <laughs> 18xx is your job. Welcome to Cardboard and Wine, episode 31. I'm Mamie. And I'm Josh. Grab a glass, pull up a chair, and let's talk about some games. Today on the show, we hope you'll give us a second chance as we discuss Uwe Rosenberg's fun for the whole family flippin' right Tetris Fest, Second Chance. Mamie, welcome back. <laughs> How have you been? Uh, um, it's been an interesting few months since we last recorded a podcast. Do you know when the last Cardboard and Wine episode came out before this one? I feel like it was about a year ago, sometime last fall. September, maybe? It was almost a year ago. It was August 23rd, 2019. Uh, yeah, I knew it had been a long time. And I feel like since we're under the year mark, then... You know, we're, we're still we're doing okay. We're still in it. <laughs> yeah, so what's been going on over the last year? Not much, really. Oh, no, nothing. So last fall was incredibly busy with work and, and travel and life, and our son was playing baseball three days a week, and we kind of just fell out of gaming for a little bit. Well, none of those things are happening now. No. Baseball or travel or much of anything. No, and actually lots of gaming has been happening. Yeah, lots of gaming, although it looks... Very different in some ways. Our family certainly has been gaming quite a bit here at the house, but we have been doing something that we did almost none of a year ago, and that is online gaming. Yeah, we have been uh, social distancing and home quarantining since about March due to the COVID pandemic, which I'm sure many of you are doing similar things, staying in your houses. And in that period, we have come to enjoy online games in a way I never thought we would have. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And we're going to talk a little more about that in, in just a few minutes. You know, Mamie, I'm thinking um, as a way to to justify our absence, we could just call this, uh, this is season two of right. the uh, Cardboard and Wine podcast. Perfect. Perfect. How about that? So welcome to season two, yeah. everyone. Season two, episode 31. A th- 30-episode season is pretty great. That's a great season. I mean, how long did it take for the last season of Game of Thrones to come out before? That seemed like it took a while. Yeah, it was definitely months and months. Yeah, we've been waiting on The Mandalorian since, I think that has been since January January, Yeah. So, yeah, I think this is par for the course with the (laughs) high production (laughs) value and all the the schedule of the talent. You know, it's hard to get it together. Well, I'm glad to be sitting here uh, with you again, Mamie, discussing games on the podcast. But um, games are just part of the podcast. The other part um, is the wine. And we have some wine in front of us. Mamie, why don't you tell us about it? Wine is also something we've been enjoying quite a bit more of lately. That has not ceased. (laughs) I, uh, I think our consumption has potentially increased as we have been home quarantined. You do what you can. In fact, Josh has worked out something of a deal with our local wine shop where he will give them a price point and they will pack us a box and bring it out and put it in the car. Yeah. And you know, what's been really cool about that is I feel like in the before times, we tended to just gravitate towards a few a few bottles of wine that we knew we liked, and we would go to the grocery store and kind of get those. But in an effort to support some of our local businesses here, um, and, and really, I think the way that we have thought about restaurants and, and other businesses that we enjoy normally in our town, is thinking about, well, what businesses do we not want to go out of right. business? And one is our local wine shop. And so what I said to the owner of the wine shop was, Here's the amount we want to spend. 
you decide. You just, here's generally what we like, go nuts. And that's allowed us to really enjoy and sample a lot of different types of wines that normally we wouldn't have. And that's been kind of fun. Yeah, it's been very interesting. And I feel like he's kind of getting to know us and our tastes. Obviously, most of what we get is red, although we had a bottle of rosé in our last batch that was actually delicious. You think? I think. Josh did not think, but I thought. It was not my favorite, but that's okay. So, but tonight's wine is what you enjoy. We have a nice red blend. It's the Paris Valley Road Founders Blend. And that blend is, it's 34, it's from California. It's 34% Zinfandel, 30% Syrah, 30% Petite Syrah, and 6% Cab. So it's, you know, a lot of wines that we enjoy. And with a red blend, you never know how it's going to go, right? Some of them are amazing and delicious, and some of them, not so much. The winemaker's tasting notes on this is that it yields aromas of blueberry jam, chocolate, licorice, and espresso. I, I, I like all of those things except the licorice. Do you pick up any of those uh, any of those notes? I don't know. Let me have another taste. I think it definitely is very balanced. I think I do get a little of the fruitiness without it being fruity necessarily. I don't know about the licorice or espresso myself, but yeah, I'm not getting too much of the of the licorice, which is fine by me. Yeah. But I think that's what I tend to enjoy about a red blend is you know, as far as I think in general if you want if you like the taste of red wine or you want to get into red wine and you want something that's not going to be overly offensive or but just sort of has that nice red wine flavor. I think a red blend is the way to go. Now you're not in my experience, you're not normally going to get very pronounced flavors that are going to jump out at you. So maybe from an interest point of view, it's not going to be the most interesting thing to drink, but I know we have really gravitated towards red wine blends, especially if we're enjoying it with a nice meal that we know we're right. going to enjoy. And, and the wine is not the main character of the e- event or the evening. A red wine blend can be the way to go. And and this is one we've really enjoyed. So we mentioned that we've been doing doing some gaming and we have been doing some gaming at home with our family and, and with our kids. Uh, but also, I would say if there's a way we can really describe the lion's share of our gaming over the last several months, probably like a lot of you, it has been online gaming. And, you know, I mean, I think I was always a little bit opposed to online gaming. I think my viewpoint was on on gaming in general. And one of the reasons why I got into board gaming and probably was interested in board gaming was in this digital age that we live in where we share so much of our social interaction and our lives digitally by text or, um, video calls or social media, that there was just something nice about sitting down with human beings over a tabletop board game that just allowed my mind to take a break from all of that digital world. You're kind of making me get misty-eyed. I miss that. I definitely do miss that. And online gaming is a good way to fill in that gap, but it's definitely not the same as that sitting around a table, kind of coming together, community connection that you feel in that moment. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I think online gaming has provided a way to continue to experience the enjoyment of playing some of the games that we like to play. And and another thing I'll say, another advantage to online gaming that I did not expect when I started doing it, and I think this might have kept me with it a little bit, 
is we have a couple members of our game group that we've probably mentioned previously on the show who moved away at various points in time that were part of our regular game group. And what's been a surprising silver lining to having to move the bulk of our gaming online is it's been easy to reconnect with with those folks who we used to play games with all the time and continue to play games with them online. It's now no longer a, a barrier that they may live on the West Coast or or several hour drive away. And what we've really enjoyed doing is when we play games is we'll often we'll still schedule our weekly game night um, at a certain period of time, but then we'll strike up a Zoom call or or something like that. So we're we're actually talking to each other in real time as we play the game. Yeah. And that's been really enjoyable. I think that has been instrumental in sort of keeping that connection going. The fact that we we don't just log in and play the game. We we almost always have either a chat or a Zoom call going where we're still talking the same way we would if we were sitting around the table. I mean, we've gotten really creative. We've played a couple games with large groups. We played a game of Welcome To with a large group where Josh like set up the camera so everybody could see the cards. And and it really did kind of mimic what it was like to sit and play together, even though we were all playing from our own houses. So technology, I mean, thank God we have it. I can't imagine going through this situation of everybody being self, you know, being quarantined without the technology. Yeah, I mean, it's been instrumental in allowing so many of us to continue to work from home um, effectively, to do schooling from home, but also, you're right, just to stay connected with the people we care about. And a big shout out to all the web designers that are up in their game big time. I mean, one of the platforms that we've been using to play quite a few games uh, is Board Game Arena, which big shout out to them. Early on, we both became paid supporters of Board Game Arena, where we've played quite a few games, and they've been coming out with new stuff. Uh, Every few weeks, there's a new game that comes out there. And, you know, that's really, I think, keeping people involved in the gaming, even though we're not able to sit at the table. Yeah, it's been interesting. Some of these sites that do online implementation of games, these the vast majority of these existed pre-pandemic, pre-COVID. But yeah, I can remember Board Game Arena, and I imagine the others too, posting all these apologies of how they were sorry for downtime because suddenly their servers were completely overwhelmed with the increased traffic. Um, so I think really it's been a boon for online gaming uh, during during these past few months. And I imagine this is something that we will take with us. I think there will probably a lot of folks who are interested in games will play, will continue to play more online than, than perhaps they did before. Uh, but you're absolutely right. Board Game Arena has been great. Another, and this is a newer site, that is available now is one that we have increasingly been enjoying and that is 18xx.games and that's a site that was created by Toby Mao and my understanding is the goal of that site was really to help introduce more players to 18xx games and some of the games that they implemented early on were some of the games that really were the more beginner-friendly 18xx games. And so the ability to play those games in an online platform that's really well done and also is very mobile-friendly. You can take 18xx uh, for free in a great format right to your phone. That's really engaging. And also it lends itself well to asynchronous play. So a barrier, I think, for a lot of folks playing 18xx games, like you, (laughs) um, and, and me to a certain extent, was 
you know, many of these games, even the shorter games are really three and a half to four hour affairs. And that can be really hard to schedule and really a lot to uh, bite off on a weeknight. And so the ability to play these games with friends over a longer period of time is, is very appealing. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. I don't know that I will ever play an 18xx game on the table. I might. Yeah, I love being able to play asynchronous because that, you know, is cuts down on the time commitment. But I also love that it does all the math for you. Yeah, that's a good point. A big brain burning part of 18xx sometimes is just doing these simple mathematic calculations over and over again of calculating your route and then dividing by 10 and figuring out how much um, each of the shareholders gets. And that, you're right, that is completely done for you. And, and one member of our game group, one thing that it, he he played 18xx with us on the table quite frequently when we would play uh, before but one of the things that he has stated is he really likes with the asynchronous 18xx play there's plenty of time just to think about your move and think about what you want to do and what strategy you want to utilize without feeling this pressure like you're holding up the group and holding up the table and that really is a piece of 18xx and a lot of complicated board games that really can slow things down um, if you have players that, that, you know, rightfully so want to think out their moves and, and try to make the best, um, you know, take the best move. Although that may be because he doesn't live with you. Josh, make sure to always update me <laughs> on when it's my turn in an asynchronous game. I have, I've <laughs> taken some flack in our game group for being particularly bad at asynchronous play. Uh, I get very antsy. and <laughs> We start getting the messages. It's Dave's turn. Yeah, we have a it's shared Mamie's group turn. chat, and I, I may be bad about, okay, uh, Mamie's next. Mamie, you going to take your turn yet? Have you taken your turn yet? I'm working. <laughs> 18xx is your job now. <laughs> yeah, but that's been that, I have been really enjoyed 18xx games, which I felt like I played them before, but I'm not sure I enjoyed them as much as I have playing online and asynchronously. Yeah, and we may have to do a future episode on um, either an 18xx game that we've been enjoying or or maybe just 18xx.games in general. Yeah, we should. All right, Mamie, well, why don't we move into our topic of the week and let's talk about Second Chance. Second Chance is a small box flip and write style game from famed board game designer Uwe Rosenberg, who brought us some of our favorite games like Agricola, Lahav, and Bonanza, among many more. In Second Chance, each player receives a sheet of paper containing a 9x9 grid and a single card with a unique polyomino shape made up of eight squares. This is each player's starting shape, and they simultaneously draw that shape in the middle of their grid. From here on out, gameplay consists of revealing two cards each one displaying its own polyomino that could be anything from a single one-by-one square to a much more complex seven-square shape. Players must choose one of the two shapes to draw anywhere on their grid. It need not touch any of the other shapes they've already drawn, and this continues round after round with each player's goal of filling their board completely. Now, eventually, you will come to a spot where you aren't able to fit either of the two revealed shapes into your grid. And if this occurs, you exclaim that you need a second chance. Any player needing a second chance will get one card just for them. If they can draw that shape, then you're back in the game. However, if you can't, you're out, and you wait until the game ends by everyone else getting stuck and dropping out, the deck running out of cards, or someone fills their grid entirely which we have not actually seen happen yet. 
The winner is not necessarily the last player to drop out, but the player with the fewest empty squares in their grid. Maybe there are a couple reasons why I chose this game to discuss on this episode, our first episode of season two. Can you guess why? <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a hint. One reason is we've been playing this game quite a bit. That's what is true. the other we reason? We have been playing it quite a bit. Um, because we're hoping people will give us a second chance at this podcasting thing since we disappeared last fall. That's exactly right. <laughs> and also because you wanted to say the word polyomino, which I did not know was a word or what it meant until today. Yeah, that's right. Polyomino is a word that I wouldn't necessarily have known had I not consumed lots of board game media over the last several years. The definition of polyomino is a plain geometric figure formed by joining one or more equal squares edge to edge. So if you think about Tetris pieces, right. those are polyominoes. Or if you think about the game Blockus, which we've played. More polyominoes. Or Blocus, if you play in Australia. That was really bad. That was a bad joke. I apologize <laughs> to all of our Australian <laughs> listeners. Uh, but one thing I learned maybe when you were asking me about polyomino, and I wanted to look up the official definition of polyomino, certainly many of us have heard of the word domino. Right. Right. Which is a polyomino of... Oh. Two squares. Makes sense. Side by side. Now I see that. Well, the other thing I learned is related to the polyomino is the polyiamond. Polyiamond are shapes that are formed by a number of equilateral triangles put together. Oh. Do you know what Like a gemstones, shape, like diamonds. Well, right. So a, a shape formed with two equilateral triangles formed base to base is a diamond. Die meaning two. Oh, that makes sense. Now, also when I thought of that, uh, two equilateral triangles base to base, if you turn that a certain way, that would also be a square, but I'm assuming uh, it's a diamond if you turn it where it's sitting on its point. I don't know. I'm I'm a little confused by that because a diamond probably is, it's more than two. Well, if you think of the two-dimensional, like if you if I said draw a diamond oh, in two dimensions, oh, yes. see what I'm two-dimensional saying? two-dimensional diamond, yes. Well, like on a playing card. Yes. Yeah, like that. Not a... <laughs> Okay, we are yeah. getting way into geometry here. Okay, so other than the fact that it's about getting a second chance at this whole podcasting thing and the fact we've been playing it quite a bit, what drew you to this game? Yeah, so this is a game we got not too long ago, and we were preparing to go on a beach trip with a few very close friends. We had all been quarantining quite well just before. But we needed to we, see people, but we and our to children people. needed to see children. Our children needed to see other other children. So a few close friends, we had planned a, a week at the beach in a, a beach house. And, and a lot of these friends don't necessarily play a lot of the types of games we usually play. So I was looking through our collection at games that I thought would be really easy to teach and also wouldn't take too long to get through. And some types of games we've really enjoyed playing are games where you flip and write. So you flip over a card and you write or draw something on your individual player sheet. And we've had a lot of success playing these with lots of different groups of friends. And I was searching for some examples of games like these. And to be honest, I hadn't been quite as on top of what's what's out there these days since COVID hit because most of my podcast listening typically happened when I was in my car driving to work. And Which you don't do anymore. I do very little of that. Uh, none of that, actually, in fact, <laughs> lately. Uh, but I saw Second Chance pop up in, in a list that somewhere online that I was when I was researching. And two things stood out to me about this game. First was that its designer is Uwe Rosenberg. So anything with Uwe Rosenberg's name is going to jump out because, well, I realized one thing I said in the description of the game was that, was that I mentioned 
Um, he has designed games we generally love, like Agricola. The well, games that's we true. I enjoy. don't enjoy Agricola, but let's grow it on you. Yeah, okay. yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, games I typically enjoy, but but maybe you like we've enjoyed Lahav. I do, and Bonanza is a game yep. that goes way back that we really have had a lot of fun playing. So that jumped out at me. But the second was that it involved drawing these polyominoes or Tetris style shapes on paper, and I realized most of the the roll and write where you roll dice and write something down, or these flip and write games that we have involve either checking off boxes or writing down numbers. Like Welcome To is a great example. Right. Or um, Gone Sean Clever is another one that we've enjoyed. Or Fleet the Dice Game. These are some that we've enjoyed. Um, but I knew there, there was another branch of these games that involves shapes and drawing shapes, and we didn't have any of those. So when I saw this one, I thought, okay, Uwe Rosenberg, get to draw shapes this might be a good one to check out so i checked out a video of the of someone playing this online and within two minutes it was very obvious how to play and so the rules were very straightforward so it checked off that box and lastly also importantly it was pretty cheap it was less than twenty dollars and so i thought okay what do we have to lose let's try it out and they had it at our local game shop they sure did (laughs) also an important factor been trying to support them as much as we can (laughs) All right, Mamie, so we're going to talk a little bit about this game, uh, but first let's talk about the components. So why don't you tell us a little, a little bit about the components of Second Chance? Yeah, so the components are pretty straightforward. There's a pad of paper that's double-sided. I love that when you can use both sides, and that's the 9 by 9 grid. And then there are 40 puzzle tile cards, and those are the ones that you flip and you have those polyomin... I can't say this word. Like domino. Polyomino shapes. Um, Those are the ones that you flip, and they have that polyomino shape that you're going to have to draw. And related to that, there are three overview cards that you place face up on the table so everybody can see them, and they show what all the possible shapes are. So the large shapes, there's usually only one of, but a lot of the smaller shapes, there are multiple of. So for example, the shape that's just a single square, there are three of those. Or the one that's two squares, there's three of. And those are really important. Those are the ones that everybody wants, but you kind of want those later, not early. It's always kind of a bummer when they come out early. Anyway, lastly, there are 13 starting tile cards and each player gets one of those as their starting shape and those are all unique and so you have to draw that starting shape in the middle of your nine by nine grid oh and lastly this might be my favorite uh, it comes with a pack of six small colored pencils so they're like little golf pencils but they're colored pencils which I loved just because they got me thinking about drawing the different shapes in different colors Uh, one of the things with this game is that as you add to what you're drawing, you want each new shape to be distinguishable from the others, just so you can kind of check what you're drawing. And so you could do them in different colors um, or different patterns. The little golf pencils were fine. I've taken to breaking out our giant bag of colored pencils. We have quite a collection of colored pencils because my daughter and I both really enjoy coloring. I didn't realize we had so many colored pencils (laughs) until we started playing this game. Um, The box that this game comes in it's very small but the giant pile of colored pencils is at least three times <laughs> it's larger a gallon, it's a gallon ziploc bag full of colored pencils so we've you know we've taken to adding our own colors but i like that it came with those because it made me think about using colors to distinguish the different shapes which has turned into one of my favorite parts of the game yeah i actually prefer to use a plain mechanical pencil and draw different <laughs> patterns instead of, of colors but but which is also really fun because you draw cute things 
that is true. But you know, we may we may have mentioned this back in season one. But I believe it was for Father's Day, you all gifted me a laminator because we were starting to uh, generate a collection of these games with with these pads of, of paper. And, you know, I've always been afraid that when we have a, a game that has a pad of paper that you use to we'll write run on, out. that we're going to run out. You know, and then it occurred to me that, okay, well, in this game, and most of these there are a hundred double sided sheets. So that's like 200 game sheets. And so if we played with our family for, uh, we would have to play 50 times before we'd run out. And I'm not sure we played any games. 50 no, I don't times. think we have. Um, and then you could just print more, but still I did try laminating a couple of these score sheets or a couple of these game sheets, which worked out okay, but you do have to be careful not to drag the fat part of your hand across the sheet. Uh, our son and I both tried using these dry erase sheets and, and while it was okay, it was a little cumbersome. I think I prefer my mechanical pencil. I like my colored pencils. I have to admit. Yeah. We'll probably just stick to that. We'll print more if, if we need it. So maybe you did a great job talking about the components. Let's talk now about the gameplay I think we pretty well described the rules because they're simple enough. I imagine most folks can can imagine how the game works. But when you're actually there playing the game, it moves pretty quickly. Once everyone has drawn their initial shape, it usually doesn't take people very long to pick one of the two available shapes and draw it on their sheets. Unless they're like me and spatially challenged and they have to like take the actual card and twist it to figure out. Because you can turn it. It doesn't have to obviously be facing one direction and... I can't do that very well in my brain. Yeah, that is a great point that <laughs> some of the larger, more complex shapes can take a little bit of brain power to look at them and then think about exactly where they fit on your sheet. And like you said, Mamie, you're right. You don't have to draw it in the exact format that it's on the sheet. You can mirror image it or flip it upside down or to the left or to the right. And so some of the more complicated shapes can be a little more of a <laughs> challenge to rotate them in your mind and figure out how to draw them. But, you know, it takes... A little bit of effort, but it's not too bad. And no. even our children who are nine and eight have kind of picked up on it. And I'll say, I think games like this sort of help exercise that spatial part of your brain. Because I remember we've played this game now seven or eight times um, in fairly recent memory. And it was harder the first time than it is now. You actually get better. Definitely. Your brain gets better at drawing these shapes. So that's a cool thing, right? Yeah. And, and I'll say that's that's part of the fun of the game is, you know, you see those two shapes and you look at your own sheet and you're trying to plan and you're trying to think about where am I going to put this on my grid? And as simple as that is, it's very satisfying thinking about, it, it made me think about a much more complex game that I also Sort of enjoy, um, and that's that's the game. <laughs> sort and, of enjoy, <laughs> I love that. Well, that's the game Antiquity, right? And you know, one the one part of Antiquity that I actually like the most is you have these town grids, and you're building different buildings in your town that are different polyomino shapes, and thinking about, and you really do have to plan well because to maximize what you build in your town, you need to try to fit those buildings in the best you can. Well, and this game doesn't even have famine or graves or pollution that you have to deal with. That's right. Second chance. It's basically <laughs> antiquity, but without the famine, death, and pollution. So maybe that that's the tagline they could use. Uh, maybe what do you think about the gameplay of Second Chance? You know, I always enjoy games where you get to write or draw. Um, roll and write, flip and write, those are some of my favorite games. So I very much enjoy that aspect of gameplay. As I said, I'm not typically especially strong at spatial games. You probably have noted that I usually get angry and lose when we play Blockus. In fact, this is kind of funny, I downloaded an app game on my phone called Woody. 
which is okay. Li- no, it, it's not what it sounds like. It's literally a wooden game board where you're placing what I now know are polyominoes, polyominoes, and you're trying to complete squares. And anyway, I just thought of a great joke. What is it called when it's looking like you won't be able to fit the shape onto your nine by nine grid? It's polyominous. <laughs> you're really you're really killing it with the dad jokes today. <laughs> That's pretty good. Polyominous. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so I've been practicing those skills. But in this game, you know, I didn't really necessarily find it quite that difficult or stressful. And honestly, I really, really enjoyed the coloring and drawing aspect of it. The fact that, you know, for each shape that I was placing, I was trying to use different colors or make different patterns. And it ends up being, you know, a little bit like a work of art. Yeah, that's really satisfying part. It's uh, really you, fun. you and our daughter both enjoy just thinking about what color you're going to use for drawing your next shape. Yeah, she keeps stealing the good colors from me. Well, and I noticed uh, a game we were playing today with our family, you were actually coloring at the same time. And this was not a coloring game. <laughs> I mean, you were coloring at the same time while it, we were playing the it's, game. It's how I find my zen. Yeah, no, that that's fair. That's fair. All right, well, this should be a quick one, Mamie, but why don't you tell us a little bit about the theme of Second um, Chance? What theme? There really is no theme, I don't think, for Second Chance. I mean, it's Yeah, this is a purely, purely abstract yeah. game. Unless you think Tetris has a theme. Um, I guess this has the same theme as that. It's <laughs> abstract. It's yeah. shapes. Yeah. So let's talk, sort of here at the end, let's talk a, a little bit about our favorite parts of the game. Mamie, you mentioned the coloring. The co- Would you I say mean, that's your The coloring part? is my favorite part. The visual aspect of it, right? It's like right up my alley and it's satis- so satisfying to like not only fit the shapes together, but pick the colors and patterns and, you know, it's kind of like arts and crafts. The other thing that I really like about it is how easy it is to learn and to play. I mean, that's fabulous. We can put it on the table with anybody pretty quickly and... You know, it's good to go. And it's just a small box, so it's easy to take places like the beach. Yeah, that, that's definitely true. You know, it, it, like I mentioned, it's just really satisfying to choose a shape, think about where to write on your sheet, fit it on your sheet, and especially sometimes, you know, you're because, because you can see, you know, there are those cards that show you here are all the possibilities that come out. And, and in a typical game, oftentimes one of the timers of the game is that deck of 40 cards runs out. So right. if the cards run out, then... You know, the game is over. So, you know, in general, um, all of the cards are going to come out at some point. And so you'll be waiting for that one, maybe seven block card. You've got the perfect spot for it. And then it comes up and it's just so satisfying to fill that big weird hole with just the right shape. I just thought of a home mod that we could make where you pull three out before you start. So there are three. That's a great idea. I think three might be a lot. (laughs) But one, you know, one for sure. So that you don't fully know what's going to come. Well, you know, a lot of games use that mechanism where if there aren't so many cards that you, where you really could memorize them all, you take the one out. So yeah, that's a that's a great idea. If we want to amp up the difficulty (laughs) level, I mean, I don't, I don't know that that's something we care to do. But um, so back to second chance. Is there anything that you don't like about the game? Well, you know, it's pretty short and. And that's that's not something I don't like. I think that's just perfect for the type of game it is. And and most of our plays, at least with our two kids, have been in the fifteen to twenty minute range. And and like you mentioned, me that includes you and our daughter fighting over <laughs> who gets like the green colored pencil. But 
because it's so short, this isn't really a huge, huge negative. But towards the end, I want to talk a little bit about that second chance mechanism. I mean, really, that's the only wrinkle in this whole game. I mean, otherwise, it's literally just flipping cards and trying to fill in your sheet. Um, So if you can't fit either face-up community card, you get your own second chance card that's just for you. And so what happens sometimes, and and this can happen pretty often uh, towards the end of the game, is especially if a couple larger shapes are flipped, there may be two or three players who are all in the position of needing a second chance. So at that point in time, it's not community cards anymore. So each of those players gets their own single card and that is their second chance. And it can be a little frustrating if, you know, you and your opponent are both in that second chance situation and you get some giant, you know, six figure monstrosity (laughs) that you can't fit and you're out. And then your opponent gets the little one single square and then they continue on in the game. That's definitely a bummer. Yeah. So, you know, that kind of randomness at the end is a little bit frustrating when it happens to you. That being said, it's super satisfying when you're the one that gets the single square. <laughs> you're like, sucker. You know? But I will say the, the thing that I think is kind of cool about the game is when you get knocked out, when you fail at your second chance, you write a number down that says, okay, I was the first one out or the second one out. And that counts as a filled-in square. But you don't necessarily lose just because you were the first one out. Um, it means you can't play anymore. But at the end of the day, the person who wins is the person who filled in the most of their board. Yeah, and we've actually seen that happen where I, you know, I played a game with the kids the other day where my son was the last man standing, but because my daughter had been able to place more of the large pieces, she had fewer empty squares and she was the winner. Yeah. That's fun. But but again, I guess if there is a negative it's that sort of randomness with the second chance cards at the end of the game, but it's such a short and light game. It's not like I go to bed fuming about No, you <laughs> fuming just play again. I mean, that's the, that's the nice thing about it. Yeah. How about you, Mamie? Anything you don't like about the game? You know, I don't think there really is much that I don't like. Um, you know, I don't think it's the only game I ever want to play, but there really isn't anything that I dislike about it. It, it is what it is, and I like what it is. Well, we've talked about this already, but about when we would typically break this game out. Uh, yeah, I think it's just one of the reasons why we initially got the game was to play with, with friends and more casual gaming situation. Like it's easy to throw in the bag to take on vacation. Playing with the kids has been a lot of fun. I could imagine this would be fun to take just if you're going to like a casual meetup with some friends where... Do people do that? <laughs> if you could imagine actually doing that. In a I, world where that is allowed. <laughs> in a year uh, or so from now, when yes. you go casually meet up with your friends for, for dinner or to hang out. Um, and there may or may not be games happening. It can be a, a great one just to have with you, um, just in case. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, this is a great one to play with the kids. I think it does engage that spatial part of your brain and spatial reasoning, which is great for them. And it's simple enough that... You know, ours are nine and ten, but I think even younger kids. No, our daughter is shaking her head. Ours in are disgust because that's ours, not ours. Are eight and nine, almost ten. Uh, <laughs> time is kind of what is time. Time is what is time, right? You know, I think even younger kids. I think as young as you know, seven or eight could probably figure this out and play it. So you know, I think it's good for a lot of different audiences. Yeah, this probably wouldn't be the game we would break out if we were having our weekly. No, this is not a feature (laughs) game of the evening. Let's play 20 rounds. Oh my gosh. They would kill you, but they would enjoy a round or two. Yeah, that's definitely true. All right. Well, let's share our 
final thoughts and and ratings for Second Chance. Uh, Mamie, it has been a while, so why don't you kick off Season 2 with a reminder of our Cardboard and Wine game rating scale. Yeah, it's definitely been a while. So for those of you that either are listening for the first time or have forgotten, here at Cardboard and Wine, we use a rating scale based on the wine we're drinking. So a one is an empty bottle, sad, disappointing, ready for the recycling bin. A two is like a two-buck chuck. It'll do if you don't have anything else to drink. Three is like a good wine in a box. There are things about it that are good. There are things about it that aren't great. Uh, A four is like a nice red blend, easy to enjoy regularly. You've poured a glass, you're looking forward to enjoying more. And a five is like a big, bold California Cabernet. It's going to only get better with age. All right, Mamie, thanks for reminding us of our rating scale. Let's give our final thoughts, and and I'll go first on this one. So I can say that Second Chance was exactly what I hoped it would be when we bought it for our beach trip. We actually did end up teaching it and playing it with some friends, and it was super easy to get the rules across, um, get into playing it, and, and people do get into it. People really do jump in and have fun playing the game. I wasn't necessarily thinking first and foremost about playing it with the kids, but they all really love it too. Um, however, I will say you know, my daughter said the other day that she likes it, but is getting a little tired of it after five or six plays. And I kind of get that too. This isn't, can't imagine Mamie that if, if you and I had some time and interest in playing a game together, just the two of us, we'd say, Hey, let's play second chance. Yeah. There are other things we would probably bring to the table first. Yeah, and, and I definitely wouldn't want to play it night after night, but I'm glad we have it in our collection. And like I mentioned, I think it will definitely be a game that will find its way into my game bag as we go on vacation or when those sweet, sweet days come that we have <laughs> casual hangouts with friends. Uh, this is something that we will bring along. So, yeah, I'll give this game a nice, a nice three. How about you, Mamie? You know, I agree with you. I would also give it a very solid three. It's fun, uh, you know, especially to play with new gamers. But I do think we're probably already getting a little tired of it. We need a, a bit of a break and to play some other things. Um, you know, I don't think it's it's not complex enough to hold our attention over and over again. But I do enjoy playing it. I definitely enjoy the spatial and the coloring aspects of it. And I definitely think we'll play it again at some point. So, you know, it's a Good middle-of-the-road, solid three. All right, everyone. Well, thanks for listening to Cardboard and Wine, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. For show notes, links, and other fun info about the games we discuss on the show, you can visit our website, cardboardandwine.com. If you have any feedback for the show or suggestions for a future show, you can send us a tweet at Board and Wine. You can see photos of the games we play on Instagram at Cardboard and Wine. Or you can email us cardboardandwine at gmail.com or jump into our guild on Board Game Geek. You can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear from you, and it'll help new listeners find the show. All right, everyone. Until next time. Cheers, cheers and, and happy, happy gaming. gaming.